welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today's an exciting episode for us because we are starting chapter one of a book of Lord of the Rings for the last time. That's right, chapter one of book six of Lord of the Rings. The End of the Third Age. So the actual title of this chapter is The Tower of Kirith Ungal, and it is the first chapter of the last half of Return of the King. Now, as always, we're going to hop over to Katie for a brief moment, who is going to educate us with the Elvish word of the day, uh, or maybe the Black Speech word of the day. I don't know what, ha- what, what Katie has. Nope, nope, that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, in mind. And then uh, briefly touch upon the events on this day in Middle-earth. We're going to hop over to Chase, who is sitting to my left, and he will briefly recount the events of last week's readings. And then, as always, we'll be discussing Chapter 1, The Tower of Kirith Ungal. At the end of that, we'll be discussing our favorites, both in the text and from the past week of our lives. So, I am John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And today is Thursday, August 18th. Correct. I almost said January. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, it's, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> today in, today in Middle-earth. Today in August and not January. January was a long time ago. Uh, backtrack... Just a little uh, bit in the past week, and August 12th, uh, once again, Frodo was still secretly planning to leave Hobbiton. This was in the year 3018. So to, so today, though, on the 18th, uh, in the year 2941, the company, once again, of Bilbo and his dwarf friends were in Mirkwood on, on the trail. And fast forward to... Uh, our current events, or at least our current book, in the year 3018, um, Frodo announces his plans to leave Hobbiton. Dang. So it was all starting, at least, to... to it was starting to begin. Okay. Actually... Yeah, Kate, Katie's tired. If, yeah. if, if I can... We're all tired. We're recording much later than we usually are. But if I can uh, have a brief personal aside for a moment. Uh, in the past week, August 16th, 2012 is when I moved to New York City. Well, there you go. For the first time. For the first time. And <laughs> yesterday, August 17th, 2016, I signed a new lease for an amazing apartment in Brooklyn. So, big week for me too. I'm like Frodo. I'm announcing my intention to leave this apartment. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the reason why I joked at a black speech word of the day is because within this chapter, we get a brief little parenthetical aside that says see appendix like f or something like that page mm-hmm. you know 1107 in my copy of the text in which we get a little bit of the history of black speech uh mostly that it was an invented language by sauron who kind of just wanted to corrupt things however let's not turn to a corrupt language instead katie what is our elvish word of the day yeah uh our elvish word of the day i'm gonna give you two different languages same word and the word I chose, I'm going to give you the English word first, just to switch things up a bit. Uh, I chose ring. Oh. Just, just, just plain old finally, ring. Finally. Finally it has <laughs> happened at the beginning I know, I, of this well, book. I actually had to look back on all of my Elvish words of the day to make sure that I had not already used this one. And indeed I had not. So uh, the Quenyan word, which of course would be uh, our, one of our, our first roots, uh, is Korma, and then the Sindarin word, 
uh, we're pretty sure was core. Interesting. And now that's I really want ring. Now I really want lamb korma. <laughs> korma? Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has. It is actually interesting because core, you know, means horn. In a lot of romance languages. That is interesting. Anyway, Chase. <laughs> You know what else is interesting? The last chapter of book five. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I'm over here doing my Keith David impression because I had a long weekend. Um, but you look very clean shaven. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good. I just sound crazy. Uh, so last week, they all, being 7,000 men, marched from Minas Tirith to the Black Gates. And they passed through a lot of stomping grounds that we got to see Frodo and Sam and Gollum at, i.e., the crossroads. And specifically the statue, which they brought back to its former glory. They left the uh, flowers on its head. And they managed to get to the Black Gate, but not before some men wanted to, you know, run away, understandably so. And Aragorn let some of them run away. And some didn't. But Not not run away in as much as not, like, march to their deaths. Yeah, because they understood what was happening. Well, Aragorn knew what was going on. So they get to the Black Gate and have this interesting conversation with this dude called the Mouth of Sauron, who is a black Numenorian. Uh, who was some of the first Numenorians to fall, or not only fall, but to be under the command of Sauron. And he gives a whole bunch of dumb, he gives a whole d- bunch of dumb uh, terms for exchange of a prisoner and he showed some items being a dagger, a cloak, and a mithril set of, uh, is it armor? That's not armor. It's like a shirt, yeah. Shirt, yeah. And so they were all freaked out and not happy, but Gandalf called the bluff. And then the full might of uh, Sauron rained down. And that's where we left off. And then we cut to no, specifically, something of incels entirely. Specifically, we left... We left. We left uh, Pippin. Pippin. We left Pippin, yeah. and mm-hmm. we have Pippin presumed dead at the end of that chapter. No, we have we have Pippin presuming he's going to die. Oh, presuming yeah, pre- he's going Pippin, to die. Yeah, Pippin but he manages to slay. Dead. Yeah, he manages to slay a troll and like basically save the life of his friend Baragond. Mm-hmm. So then we cut from one Hobbit to another. So here we are, and if you remember. Katie, do you want to give us a brief uh, touching up on what happened at the end of book four? Yes. So quite a while ago, back when we were uh, with our friends Sam and Frodo, if uh, they had just uh, encountered Shelob, and uh, it turns out that, you know, Gollum had basically led them into this trap. And, of course, this caused Sam to have multiple fits of rage. Uh, and he, uh, near the end of the last chapter that we had encountered, our, our two Hobbit friends, uh, on this quest, Sam was, like, running after Gollum to, to, in, with intent to kill him when he turns around and remembers, oh, wait, Mr. Frodo, because as, as he had taken off at Gollum, uh, Frodo was falling prey to the spider Shelob. And uh, so Sam goes back, finds Frodo, thinks he's dead, and decides that the quest has now fallen to him. So he takes the ring and then is about to go on when he encounters some orcs 
who, after listening to their conversation, he finds out, oh, wait, Frodo's not actually dead. So follows these orcs who have now captured and taken Frodo. And uh, last we left our friend Sam, he was on the other side of a door uh, with the ring, but knowing that Frodo is alive, but taken by the orcs. And that's where we catch up. Basically. Like, this, this this chapter pretty much starts where the other one left, where that book left off. I was mm-hmm. very pleased that that happened. So <laughs> we we left Sam, and he was kind of, he had followed some orcs back through Shelob's tunnel. And if you remember, there was this kind of Y, and they got stuck at one end of the Y, and it turns out that the there's basically like a half wall, and Sam was able to leap over that. But at the end of the half wall, there's a door, and he can't open that. So he's just kind of like stuck on one side of the door, hearing orcs on the other. And... He kind of. This is where we come back to him, he, he, and he realizes that he's not going to be able to open this door, so he needs to kind of go back around. Um, and it said he no longer had any doubt about his duty; he must rescue his master or perish in the attempt. Yeah, and of course, there's a door blocking his path, so Sam decides go back through the spider tunnel again. Yep, <laughs> and uh, there's. There was this interesting note uh, right after this. So as as he's kind of going back through the tunnel from the way they came, there's this interesting note of feeling once again that time has kind of been forgotten and that he's been forgotten by time in some weird way that I, I kind of really liked. Well, so speaking then- of speaking of time, we also get something right after this moment that's really interesting because we get a direct synchronization exactly <laughs> i could yeah. I, could, I could feel tolkien in some room writing going like i give up i'm just gonna write down exactly where they're at this <laughs> well moment. because like you know we've had moments that we could synchronize before kind of most notably that everybody had experience was that day without a dawn mm-hmm. but there was also that would be a great name for an, an untitled sequel to the godfather day without a dawn um <laughs> There was also, you know, the specifically the Battle of uh, Minas Tirith when the the gate cracked open, or when you heard uh, Mary and Eowyn slay the Witch King. But mm-hmm. right here, it explicitly says this is the fourteenth day of March, and yeah, Aragorn is leading reckoning. the Bla- yeah, and Aragorn is leading the Black F- Black Fleet, and Mary is riding with the Hiram, and Pippin is watching Denethor go crazy. So yeah. finally, uh, like we have this plunk, like this is the day, this is what's going on. But I also really like how this nice little synchronization was introduced to us though because you know right after sam was thinking about like i don't even know what day it is he wonders if the others are thinking of them and so then we get this you know in fact on this day and then also indeed yes his friends were thinking about them uh, at all of these different moments at all of these different uh actions um so we the reader know and sam the hobbit wonders Yes. So Sam continues on and makes his way out past Shelob's lair, once again having to go through that horrible stench. And he kind of stops to collect himself and is sort of on the precipice. He he comes to, to realize and really kind of feel the full effect of it that if he takes one more step down into Mordor, he he's cannot go like, back. Yeah, he's... Because right now he's kind of on the edge of Mordor, but like this is like Mordor proper, you know. Yeah, I like yeah. this. I like this whole sense. It also ties in with that 
sense of feeling out of time, the fact that you step into mortar, there's no way back, just this elements of that nothing else in the world exists outside of this situation. Yeah. That's the feeling but, I got out of this. Well, and the thing is, at this moment, he had, he, 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 he had been wearing the ring kind of on and off mm-hmm. as a way to disguise himself. Um, but something we start to see here, and we'll see it again later on, but I want to touch upon it now, is Sam is the only person we've see, seen wear the ring for entirely selfless reasons. Yes, that I mean, is true. Even in the beginning of Fellowship, when Frodo wears the ring as a means of disguise, it's a method of self-preservation, whereas Sam is wearing it solely so that he can sneak past people to rescue Frodo. But he, doesn't he also note around this point, too, that I'm not going to be using this thing again in Mordor? Like, he kind of even kind of comes to it's like, no, 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 no. This, well, is, it, this, yeah, is, this well, is far too it, much. Because it's when he gets to well, this moment that he realizes he can't wear the ring anymore. Because yeah. he's, in, he's going to be in Mordor proper, and there's that's just too much. It's like a spotlight yeah. on his butt. I don't know. Like, it's brr. <laughs> well, uh yeah, he so he yeah, he's 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 kind of put the ring on and again without it's one of these without thinking about it moments uh like just involuntarily. Um and he instantly feels the the immense weight of it uh and in particularly the weight of its power. And you know, again he feels the eye that's always looking, always searching. And once again, his hearing improves, but his sight becomes really weird and kind of fuzzy. And uh, it's at this moment he starts hearing all of this kind of clashing and clanging around, and there's yeah. seems to be fighting going on in the tower. And it's like insta- as if, oops, sorry. Oh, it's just uh, instantly he he thinks you know maybe the orcs are fighting each other, but then. Uh, he uh his first thought is i'm coming mr frodo Mm -hmm. it's like as if yeah because he doesn't really fully know what's about to happen because i like how he kind of like internally notes that maybe shagra and what was the other dudes gorbag coral like he kind of like summarizes the did that just like translate what who gorbag yes shagra gorbag well it's shagra and gorbag and then later on it actually is someone else but but their their I mean, argument it is still Gorbag, but um, he's calling him Snaga, which actually means slave and black tongue. Mm-hmm. But that that's and all like, know, yes. that's all spilling out into gigantic you know fort fight of some sort. <laughs> yeah. So Sam goes, "I'm coming, Mister Frodo," which I could choose to take out of context and not going to, and just kind of like runs in, and then it we we get the first real view of uh, <laughs> of Mordor. Uh, in all of its, I don't want to say splendor, uh, terror, all of its anti-splendor. Well, yeah, and, and, and in particular, Orodwin, or of course, as most people would know it, Mount Doom. And, uh, and then we get this discussion of, of what the lava is like and how it's a blazing flow, mostly towards Baradur, but some of it wound its way into the stony plain and would cool and lay like twisted dragon shapes vomited from the tormented earth. Yeah. Again, just the, the the words used to describe the way that it looks. It, they're they're so perfect. This whole part for me was like a penultimate moment. <laughs> I felt like having read the Silmarillion, The Hobbit, 
Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers has led me up to this moment. I, I won't say I was excited, but I felt like, oh God, we're about to finish this thing now. Like, I got that mm-hmm. feeling when I read that part where Sam is looking at and seeing Mount Doom finally for the first time in fully in front of him. That really stood out to me in this chapter. Well, and then well, something. And, and I was just going to say, I think that's a, uh, a narrative success mm-hmm. um, because we're, we're supposed to be Sam in this moment. Yes. Yeah. And then, dot, 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 Sam has this. <laughs> incredible realization as he gets to the base of the tower and sees because they're still he's so kind of on like the uh, he's going down you know yeah um and he sees that there's kind of a wall system extending from the tower but within mordor and sam realizes oh this was made by the ancient gondorians to keep evil things from getting through the pass Mm mm-hmm and then it says, kind of in an editorial note, that yes, it was made as an outpost of Athelion. However, when Sauron uh, rose back to power, he had some servants, but mostly he had slaves of fear. And this was a useful way for him of keeping the men. So, so yeah. Uh, he, of course, at this moment, again, feels the pull of the ring. And as I was reading this, I just felt like... Uh, Tolkien is going, hey, Chase, hey, Chase, because uh, what happens specifically to the pull of the ring as he's getting closer and closer into uh, further and further into Mordor proper. Uh, But the power of the ring and the kind of the pull of the ring gets Mm -hmm. stronger and stronger. Yes. And Sam feels very tempted. And I don't know. I just because I are you referring to the section, this part where. Sam starts in his in his own imagination starts firing mm-hmm. up, and mm-hmm. he starts thinking about how he alone can take <coughs> the slaves and run up and take on the the entire might of Mordor in one yeah. fail blow. But then mm-hmm. he realizes, oh wait, I'm a hobbit, and hobbits yeah. like things, and also I'm a gardener, and gardeners want to like garden the best well, gardens. Yeah, because, well, <laughs> but, but I but I, mean, I want to. Uh, like when when Sam imagines what he would do with the ring again it's you know everyone who every one of our you know good guys who thus yeah. far has has made some comment about having 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 the notion of using the ring for good it's always this idea of i would become this great and powerful being who could you know take down mordor and then do good things but again that's not understanding the way that the ring works. And so, yeah, Sam fantasizes about being, you know, Samwise the Strong and hero of the age. And that, yeah, like you said, he would overthrow Barad-dûr and then bring green things to Mordor. He, you know, would replace Mordor's existence with these great green gardens. And then comes back to himself. And this is, um, I'll just tell you right now, this is my favorite thing from the chapter is this this passage of Sam like realizing his thoughts and and coming back to it and it says in that hour of trial it was the love of his master that helped most to hold him firm 
but also deep down in him lived still unconquered his plain hobbit sense. He knew in the core of his heart that he was not large enough to bear such a burden, even if such visions were not a mere cheat to portray him. The one small garden of a free gardener was all his need and due, not a garden swollen to a realm, his own hands to use, not the hands of others to command. And so, again, we get this great contrast between these tiny hobbits um, and, and their hobbit sense and these big important things and these huge powerful things like, like the huge power of this ring. But these tiny, tiny hobbits have such incredible strength of character. Well, and also, like, to kind of, I'm going to hammer this point on and on and on again uh, in this moment, but everyone else who has been tempted by the ring has wrestled with that temptation a lot more. You know, you look at yes. Gladriel, you look at Boromir. Um, but for Sam, it's kind of that, like, oh, what if I win the lottery moment? And then he's like, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. It, it, it wasn't Sam was like, this is something I could really use and like kind of teetering on the edge and like, no, I can't do this. I'm, you know, I, I like have to not do this. Sam was like, no, that's never going to happen. I'm like a small hobbit. It's almost like the questions when people ask me, it's like, so you want to be, you, you want to be a chef. You won't make much money doing that. And I'm like, I ain't doing it because I'm going to make much money. <laughs> I want to do it because I like food. <laughs> Sam, Sam is too good for this world. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so... Then um, what happens, but Sam gets to uh, kind of the edge of the tower and he sees a an, an orc kind of running away and then the orc kind of <laughs> staggers and falls over. And but, Sam, I mean, it's... Well, but first he has to get into the tower. <laughs> no, I thought that happened after this. Am I not? Oh, maybe not. No, this yeah, is... Yeah, you're, you're, you're jumping the gun a little bit. So I did that yeah, a lot. Sam, you know, after, after this... Rev- this uh, coming back of his hobbit sense he you know it, it, super easily as we as we discussed kind of shrugs off these thoughts and and goes on and so before however he can get into the gate like he's all ready to charge and fight but before he can get into the into the gate he kind of seems to come up against some force that's stopping him uh, and it says like it feels as if He's being held by a web. This was the and... weirdest thing <laughs> I have read in one of these books so far. I have to be honest because I'm re- currently yeah. rereading Dune right now. This felt like something from Dune, not from Tolkien, and it weirded me out for a minute. Well, so what I found interesting about this is these are the two watchers, and they're these kind of grotesque three-bodied like statues that are on either side of a gate that um they watch and kind of it's it's not really explicitly stated but just have the ability to prevent you from entering yeah um, well we yeah and and we we we've heard mention of them briefly before yes but what my main i guess question point of interest is is the way that these are described it's kind of like they're like vulture headed like three-bodied spindly like nasty things but it's also said that this tower of Kirith Ungal was created by the Numenorians. not the, well I mean the Gondorians so later on um, the, 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 the orcs that are still alive kind of reference the Tarks which if you go back to that moment that I talked about the 
black speech kind of appendix. It says Tark as a, an orcish slang for Gondorian. Um, makes reference to like, you know, maybe there's a Tark here. Somehow they got past the Watchers, but they oh. made them. So, I mean, were the Watchers Gondorian or were they like a later corruption? I could, I could, uh, I could buy that they... corruption thing. I really could. I I didn't because I saw that that my my version of this book has a way of clicking on like a link that and they had it on Tarks. I didn't click on it, but now that I know what that is, that's definitely something adds some kind of contextual element to what these things were. Because I found them really weird. I found this whole scene bizarre. Yeah. Um. The 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 Watchers. It's it's not really known who built them. Um. But. I think it's pr- it's it's pretty safe to assume that they were made by Sauron. And this was like one of his corruptions, right? One one of the ways in which he he turned this place into his own thing. So it's just like this is just a these are these are mm-hmm. He's pla- it, I mean, he's placed them there in the fact of this used to be a Gondorian stronghold. Yeah, yeah okay. So e- right. yeah, either yeah. either either Sauron made them, or he corrupted them from from what they were when they were originally made. It's it's not really clear. It's good that it's not clear. I like that it's not clear because <laughs> those things weirded me out and freaked me out. <laughs> That's like nightmare stuff for me, guys. <laughs> they should be. Uh, so yeah, he they're the Watchers are, are of course forbidding him to enter Kirith Ungal, and um. Sam unconsciously once again does something that ah. turns out to be the exact right thing to do. Here, okay, here's the passage I'm looking for, which is just on the next page from this. But one of the orcs says, there's a great fighter about one of those bloody handed elves or one of those filthy Tarks. He's coming here. I tell you, you heard the bell. He's got past the watchers and that's Tark's work. So maybe Tark's just were able to elude this stuff. Yeah. So I, is he saying that the Watchers are Tark's work or getting no, past no, 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 no. the Watchers? Getting past them. Okay. Yeah, getting past them. So, but yes, yeah. anyway, we are yeah. to the moment where he yeah. gets past it. So sorry for that <laughs> foreshadowing. Katie, pick it up. Uh, yeah. So Sam has to has to find out some way to get, to get past these Watchers. And once again, unconsciously does exactly the right thing. And that is to draw the file of Galadriel once again. And so, of course, this great light... Uh, pierces through the darkness and Sam is able to get through. So it's like and white of course, out. <laughs> that sounds like white out for great evils. That was a stupid white joke. Out. Keep going. Keep, keep going. Well, Just no, but I mean, remember, rem- I'm going to drive home this moment every time it happens, but this is basically the filtered light of the two trees. Yes. Of, yeah. And of course, yeah. everything in this area would not r- resonate well with that stuff. No. And I mean, I don't want to drive home very hard the fact that Tolkien was a devout Roman Catholic because Tolkien said like don't look for parallels in my work but this chapter it is almost impossible not to read like with then the context of kind of Satan corruption that kind of you know like there's there's creation and then there's corruption of that as you know like this kind of inherent evil Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is kind of part of that like how do you repel the devil but with the morning light Oh, yes, exactly. Oh, so. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, the, with, you know, with uh, a remnant of creation. That's true, it's, yeah. it's, it's Eden. This is a remnant of Eden. 
Yeah, so um so as Sam gets gets through the gate, the watchers kind of start screaming, they raise the alarm, and this is followed by this horrible bell from above. And I really just have to always giggle at sometimes at the way that Sam responds to things because <laughs> he's always he's always that like kind of self-deprecating the response he says that's done it now i've rung the front doorbell and i just have to think oh sam oh sam um and yeah so he he comes in and what does he notice what does he see all around him bodies dead orcs yeah what i found really interesting he clearly there were like two different kind of companies of orcs because it says he noticed two liveries yes. one marked by the red eye the other by a moon disfigured with a ghastly face of death gross yeah but he did not <laughs> stop to look at this more closely because he was a man on a mission and then this is the right. moment that i kind of mentioned where he as he's advancing through the complex he's kind of in this shadowy area and he's really scared but he kind of gathers everything up that he can and just keeps going and at this moment, he hears someone coming and someone running, and he get, he, he he prepares himself to 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 fight basically. But what happens? Well, six paces in front of him, Sam could hear this this orc's breath and see his eyes, and the orc then falls over, shot by arrows <laughs> from an unknown assailant. <laughs> so. Then, what does Sam do? <laughs> well, Sam gathers himself up, and he says, "The elf warrior is loose." And he screams, "I'm coming! Just show me the way up, or I'll skin you!" So, <laughs> so watching this, this happen gives Sam a lot of courage. This 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 orc. It's 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 great though because so you know the orc the orc sees him and sees Sam as something that he's not. He sees him as this great like largish kind of like a shadow with an elf blade and he's terrified. Because and he turns because and he turns and runs. Because Sam is holding the file and the light mm-hmm. is corrupting to the orcs. Mm-hmm. And so again, things are not as they seem to like this I like it. I will remind uh, you that the word Lucifer means bringer of light. So in this moment, Sam is being Lucifer. All right, we're getting way too metatextual. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stop. But, but so, yeah, so Sam basically has now deemed himself the elf warrior. <laughs> uh, he, I like that he's taking on that moniker and follows the orc. And uh, upstairs, uh, as, as he follows him, he can hear this orc whose name we learn is Snaga. Speaking, to, uh, speaking and arguing with another orc who we've met before, and that's Shagrat. And it appears that they're the only two left in the tower. Which uh, every every all all the rest are bodies. Which I found just absolutely ridiculous that a situation like that could blow over within that tower. It just it kind of like was like a another character thing for orcs or like a like a almost like a cultural understanding of like like a throw an anthropological sense of like what orcs are like a situation <laughs> like that could just blow out of control to the point where they just murder each other yeah. all the way well, up I mean, that tower well if you there, so if there you was 
Oh, I was just going to say there was pretty high tension among, amongst true. the orcs when last we left them. <laughs> yes. And if you go to the um, appendix that I keep going back to, it says snag. I mean, is is just the blackish word for slave. So. Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, yeah, Shagrat is pretty much treating him like a slave, isn't he? Um, and kind of is ordering him to go back down. And Snaga says, no, I'm not going back downstairs. And uh, Snaga turns and runs away, leaving Shagrat. And uh, one of the orcs who's kind of lying prone in the hall starts to reach and try to grab this bundle that Shagrat had been carrying um, which we know to be a certain someone's possessions yes and uh, Shagrat stabs him in the throat mm-hmm. final, and kill, fill, killing him finally and of course this this orc being uh, our friend not friend Gorbag <laughs> <laughs> so he has met his end uh Indeed, it did come to blows (laughs) between the two orc factions. So Sam, once again, doesn't really have any any time to think because now here comes Shagrat towards him, uh, bumbling away with with this uh, bundle of Frodo's possessions. And Sam's ready to attack. Um, But... Sam has something on him that, again, is causing the orcs great unease. Yes. And, again, they feel the power of the ring. Uh, and particularly because of where where it is. It's here. Uh, they feel this immense, overwhelming power of the ring. And they are terrified. Which is interesting. And, yeah. That... that- the Nazgul have this like they're seeking out the ring whereas the orcs are almost like they just feel Sauron through this and that and Sauron rules through fear of over them that that is inherently what they like react to it's like uh no I don't want to use that metaphor I was about to say like something about a dog being trained but you know what I mean about like (laughs) almost like a dog whistle like a like a yeah like a trained response yeah mm-hmm. but yeah so Shagrat uh, kind of smacks Sam in the face with, <laughs> with this uh, <laughs> bundle of Frodo's possessions and runs away bravely bravely runs away and so Sam's first reaction as we saw actually at the end of book four was to chase after the person who smacked him and then Sam realizes wait a minute Master Frodo way more important things right now dude yes so if you remember the last person that Sam had been chasing and decided not to was Gollum Mm -hmm. so now Sam turned around and he kind of thinks well letting letting him go is a bad thing because he's going to be able to alert people who will then come here however there's that other orc who is probably heading up right now to murder Mr. Frodo. So I should probably save him and then we can deal with the incoming army after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sam is looking around, looking around for Frodo and uh, starts to sing to himself. 
Well, so, I mean, he gets to basically climbs the tower and he figured he, yeah. there's nowhere else he can go. He has no clue where Frodo is and he feels trapped and can't find Frodo. And this is when he starts to sing. Yeah. 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 And uh, so the kind of result of this song is that Snaga hears it, but, you know, not uh, not really thinking that it would be anyone else believes that it's Frodo who's singing. Yeah. And so Snaga goes up up these uh, this ladder that's leading to this hidden trap door in a ceiling that Sam hadn't noticed, and uh, kind of poke, pokes at Frodo and tells him to shut up and whatnot. And so Sam is now able to follow this voice, and uh, hears Snaga threatening Frodo. Not just threatening, so, but yeah, we hear. The unmistakable hears, crack of a whip. Yes. And so then, I love this imagery. It says, uh, Sam sprang up in a sudden fury and ran up the ladder like a cat. <laughs> His head came up from the middle of the floor of a round, large chamber. Like, <laughs> the way this is all describing is almost, in any other situation, would be kind of comical. <laughs> but it's not, like, because he, he, he's doing the most noble thing in order to, like, protect... Uh, uh, Frodo. But basically, what 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 oh, no. Sam causes now is this wonderful chaos yeah. because because the orc kind of panics and runs at Sam, but then like trips over him. Yeah, <laughs> and then goes tumbling back down through the ladder. Uh, so the floor below. So Sam then goes to Frodo, who is alive entirely naked and there's a gash from a whip and Frodo is kind of in a daze and thinks that Sam is Snaga and then he thinks he's kind of like dreaming hallucinating that Sam basically Frodo's initial response is that he's he's seeing an orc now as Sam rather than it actually being Sam and so Frodo kind of recoils a little bit right and he's yeah he's very confused he's asking all these questions you know wait uh what, what, what was that singing? Was that you? And says, you know, I, I tried to answer. And, you know, where am I? How did I get here? All, all these kind of dazed and confused questions. And Frodo remembers being captured by orcs. And Them rem- and he's, 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 he's very confused and, tr- like, trying to ask all of the questions to, <laughs> to a- a- ascertain his, his current existence and, and, and whereabouts. And Sam is like, uh, we need to get out. <laughs> Uh, we need, come on, we let's need go. To go. We need to go. And uh, Frodo's like, they've taken everything. I believe that's right here, where he's like, they've taken everything, and like for, Sam's like, no, we got to go. He's like, no, Sam, they've taken everything. And then, and then, and then, Sam has this moment where he hesitates giving the ring to Frodo. However, right. What is my thesis for this episode? <laughs> because again, yeah, why is he reluctant to give the ring back to Frodo? Not because he wants the ring, not because the ring actually has any grip over Sam as it even does over Frodo, but rather because Sam wants to spare Frodo the pain. The burden. Yeah, he doesn't want to burden his master with it again. Uh, so yeah, again, so, so pure so pure dear Samwise and then the second Sam is like oh I have it Frodo is like give it to me now and Sam's like maybe I can well, help you and Frodo's like no, no. <laughs> well 
Well, for, actually, first off, you know, Frodo at, at first is just kind of amazed uh, and, true, and yeah. you know, relieved and happy that Sam has saved the ring. But then, yeah, instantly, suddenly, he changes, his demeanor changes, and he demands hand, hand it over. Even uh, calling Sam a thief. Um, and Curious, who have we heard use that term before? Well, and, yeah. and even Who talking- have we... Even Tolkien throws in some uh, language in here that kind of like to describe Frodo that even he is noting like, doesn't this like hobbled? Leering and pawing at his treasure, a foul little creature with greedy eyes and slobbering mouth. Yeah, doesn't this dude sound familiar? Yep. Yep. Does this action seem familiar? But that actually what I read was how Frodo saw Sam in that moment. In that moment, Frodo was so taken with this desire for the ring that he basically saw Sam as Gollum as. Oh yeah. Yes. But it, but it's like a dual, it's like a dual thing going on there. It's like two, two things happening at once. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Sam is like, also they didn't take everything because here is sting and here is the file of Galadriel. So I'm going to go find you some clothes. I'll be back. You pull this ladder up. I'm going to call Elbereth. The orcs would never say that, so <laughs> that's the password. <laughs> well, and arguably, Sam has managed to keep the three most important things. Ar- arguably, that we would that we would need in this situation. So, mm-hmm. and they were all made. Oh. They were all made by or um, with the knowledge of elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Because remember, so great instruments. Yes. Um. But yeah, uh, now. We get this uh, kind of readying to go on, um, and Frodo and Sam now must. Sam comes back with 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 some pilfered gear, and they're going to outfit themselves now as orcs. However, I uh, I really love the bit where like Fro- Frodo gets like a whole bunch of like nasty orc clothes, and he's like, "Sam, what are you gonna get?" And he's like, "Well, we need we need this stuff." But I can't like put something over it because it'd be too much. I'm gonna put this helmet on. Yeah. I'm just gonna put this helmet on. That'll be good, right? Well, it says he rolled up his elven cloak into a surprisingly small bundle and then like wore kind of a tunic. Mm-hmm. But other than that, this is not, yeah. And then Frodo was like, "Oh, I'm super hungry, Sam. Do we have food?" And Sam's like, "Oh, I forgot about food because I was so focused on you." So then Sam was like, "Do orcs eat and drink, or do they just live on foul air and poison?" And this oh, is, yeah. This is, this is the last moment where I'm going to get a little uh, metatextual with this. But Frodo basically says, no, orcs still need food and water. Sauron can corrupt, but he cannot create life. So, again, exactly. what does that sound like? This yep. is, I mean, this kind of fundamental parallel between yep. creation as beneficence and evil as corruption. Well, and the yep. fact that, again, the orcs were once elves. They were they, yeah. he's, they, not his creation. Mm-hmm. Corruption. Yeah. Correct. But even like yeah. just the idea, like food itself is life, you know? Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It is. I think we can all agree with that sentiment. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So uh, you know, once Frodo makes m- like makes forces Sam to have a little bit of Lembus because that's uh, because the one actually, thing the orcs didn't take from Frodo's possessions. 
I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I said Limbus is the one thing of Frodo's possessions that the orcs did not like take. They poked oh, through it, but yeah. they didn't. They did not eat that or yeah, take right. that. Because all of the yeah, food no, that they, Faramir they had given, that. That, yeah, all, all of Faramir's food, the orcs ate. But the Limbus, they're like, ew. They, you know, they yeah. had a reaction similar to Gollum. Yeah. So after Frodo has has made Sam have have a little bit bit of food, they go down the ladder, continue down the tower, and once again come to be barred by the watchers but sam sam says no fear not i know how to get past them and and he turns to one of the watchers and says would he tell me that you were lying (laughs) and then jennifer conley appears i was gonna say we're we're making a labyrinth uh cut now but uh, no, but using the file of Galadriel once again, and Sam kind of calls Gilthoniela Elbereth, and Frodo again, Aya Elenion on Kalima, which being Hail Eärendil, brightest of stars, just gotta love it. And uh, they come past the Watchers and now out into Mordor. And th- th- However, the Watchers, yeah. while they can pass the Watchers, the Watchers can still alert. And what happens... But out of the black sky, there came dropping like a bolt, a winged shape, rending the clouds with a ghastly shriek. Mm-hmm. However, do you remember what happened on the second page of this chapter? We synchronized timelines. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. are Mary and Durnhelm at this point? They have not yet made it to Minas Tirith. That's true. They they are not yep. there yet. So, it's not explicitly stated that this is the Witch King, but I feel like this is the Witch King. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what <laughs> this is. I don't know what that is. Which, I don't know where we're at yet. Witch King is it? <laughs> I've already this made that pun sh- about five million yes, times. No, <laughs> the, the, the fruit is low hanging. However, horrible, sh- horrible shriek of a winged black rider. I, I feel like it's probably the witch king that will later be slain by Mary and Awen. Uh, I thought it was Anduin the dragon. I wonder. So, uh, so y- yeah, this this whole chapter, I just want to one one thing that I want to point out, which I think is, you know, kind of obvious, but still important to note. Um, we're we. We got a lot more on the ring and its presence, its power, its effect on people, not only on our hobbits, but also on, on uh, yeah, the orcs, the subjects of Mordor. Um, we're going to start getting a lot more of that. I just love the fact that even at the end of the story, Tolkien is still punctuating and making it seem that the Hobbit's will and spirit just making it remind, not only reminding us, but making it that much more powerful. Now, here's yeah. here's a deep cut for you, Chase. Do you remember? I like how you looked at your hand. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you remember the rings were originally good. Yes. They were they were conceived out of goodness, and Sauron kind of convinced and shaped their creation and, and kind of witnessed that and used that to create the one ring. Right. Now, do you remember who forged the, the others? Uh, I want to say Calabrimbor. Yes. Yes. Do you know who 
Celebrimbor's grandpappy was? No, I do not remember that at all. I will not fake that. <laughs> Feanor. Ah, that's so, correct. Yeah. What do we have here? We have the light of one of the Silmarils and the ring. How curious is that? Nah. I also want to say, um, I didn't even realize this until like five minutes ago, but you remember Baron and Luthien? Yes. What did they do? They stole a Silmaril. And they used its light to guide them out of Melkor's... Oh, d- fortress. Yeah, that's right. And Baron was only able to do it because of his intense love for Luthien. Yes. Now, what, yeah. is, what, what is Sam what doing? Did our, yep. He's going after you, Frodo with his intense... Like, his, his respect and need to protect and love and, and guide Frodo. And And how, by what mechanism do they manage to... Get out of the tower. The former light of the trees. Uh-huh. I mean, specifically the light of the Silmaril that Baron yeah. stole. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I never even thought of that before because it's like it's not a romantic love, but it's 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 still kind of an it's, an it's an echo of of the same story. Yep. That's why God, I love lore so much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, again, this is. Uh, a, one of those huge payoffs for us having the benefit of being able to read the Silmarillion yeah. first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about that? So anyway, Katie, you had mentioned your favorite part. Am I reminding me again what my favorite part was? Yeah. So my favorite part was, again, uh, so just after Sam has this very brief entertaining thought of becoming like Samwise the Strong and, uh, <laughs> you know, leading this army into mortar with a flaming sword and overthrowing the tower. And then he comes back to his hobbit sense and knows that, um, no, no, I don't need some, I don't need to rule over people and I don't need, uh, uh, to have this great power. I'm just a simple gardener. Yep. 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 (laughs) Uh, and that again, this, is this shows us this the incredible strength of character of our two hobbits these two hobbits in particular uh, because we have seen hobbits and hobbit like creatures fall to to the to the power of the ring um we've seen bilbo beginning to become corrupted Hell by yeah. we saw lothelia sackville baggins be corrupted by the power of a silver spoon <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> uh but they uh, you know our our two friends frodo and sam it is you it is you (laughs) oh my gosh rest in peace Uh, are showing such strength of character and again driving home this idea that there's there's a choice to do right and to do good um and there's sam has made a choice to resist the this this temptation which of course as we know would be a foolish thing to fall to so I, and yeah, I just love that passage. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I kind of want to see, like, Sam turn into the Cabbage Lord of Creation. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, my favorite part was definitely, I already mentioned it, was the part when Sam sees Mount Doom for the first time. That felt like such a, I have been building for this moment, and it's finally, we've been building for this moment for me, and finally seeing it as like, this is it, beginning of the end, let's go. And that's it. That's all I really have on it is just that I got that feeling of like, this is it after somewhat like what over a year and a half. This is, this is it. 
for me, it's kind of picking, piggybacking off of what you said, Katie, but basically the fact that when it comes down to it, the ring doesn't actually have any draw over Sam because Sam doesn't want anything for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing really more to ex- expand yeah. upon. You know, oh, it's just, yes. Sorry. We're getting to the end, so it's going to get as good as possible. <laughs> <laughs> as good as it gets. Yeah. Starring Jack Nicholson as Frodo and Helen Hunt as Sam. And where is Greg Kinnear in this? <laughs> Greg, Aragorn, I don't know. I was going to say. I was going to say Gollum. Boromir. Boromir. Man, I, I, I love that movie. That's a good movie. You know, I saw that movie. I've only seen it once. And I was um in the basement of a ferry but uh, in the... Uh, Adriatic Sea and it smelled like gasoline and mildew and I had no food and no water but I had a ripped copy of as good as it gets on my laptop I just watched at my grandparents house a lot uh, anyway <laughs> favorites from outside of the text uh, mine's very simple uh, other than my nice new apartment which I'm very excited about uh, 2010 called and it told me that I should listen to the album Body Talk by Robin oh my <laughs> god that album is good is like I've been listening to it nonstop. Uh, it's like you ever you ever consume a piece of media, you know, be it you watch a movie or a TV show or you listen to an album that is so good, it's like a slap in the face. Like it's almost like this I'm, podcast for me. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, that was uh, <laughs> that was very humble of you, Chase. <laughs> uh, are you Moses? Because you just called yourself the most humble man that ever existed. No, I meant like reading Tolkien. No, I know. Yeah. I know. But yeah, it's just like you consume a piece of media that you'd never thought about before. And then you're so impressed because of how audacious it is, but also how successful it is. Uh, for me, that's been my experience in listening to Body Talk like ad nauseum for the past week. So if you like dance music, uh, which I actually don't, I'm not crazy about. But if you're looking for something to listen to and you for whatever reason have not, give it a listen to. It's on all your streaming services. Yeah, I literally just added it to my Apple Music. There we go. Because I hadn't listened to it since it first came out, so I might as well like come back to it now. Mm-hmm. And that's that for me. I got a lot of free time. Actually, no. Of. One more thing. I've finally been catching up on Difficult People, and the episode with Nathan Lane was so good, I was uncontrollably cackling. <laughs> I might need to watch the show now. But that's just statement right there, because I've not been hot on it until you just said that. <laughs> it's super New York. Um, Katie, Chase, y'all have anything? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, besides of course the Olympics being the Olympics and always fun, uh, this past week, I, I finished stranger things finally. Uh, yep. Still, still one of my favorite things. I loved it. Uh, I, I, I want season two now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious because I've not finished it yet and feel free to not answer this question because I don't get it quite I'm not getting a sense of this from anybody does it you end, know me I'm not you know me I'm not answering a question but does it end in such a way where it feels like there would be a season two but not like a, yes, another anthology it, episode it ends in such a it ends in such a way where you think there could be a season two but if there isn't I'm okay with this okay, okay. so it's more like breaking back okay because I had a, for some reason I had this thought it was yeah. like American horror story where this was like one self-contained story 
And a season two would be like a whole other story. With as long as kids. it's not like the killing where they're like, oh yeah, the entire story arc is just like the season. And then you get to the end of season one and they're like, hey, just kidding. It's actually <laughs> a two season long story arc. And the cliffhanger at the end of season one was a total misdirect because that was unsatisfying as yeah. an audience member. Yeah. In season, I'm turned off by end of season hyper cliffhangers because those don't do it for me. Anymore. Really? Even a spoiler alert for those of you who have not yet seen Breaking Bad, when at the end of season three, Jesse murders Gail and then it cuts to black. Yeah, that killed me. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't like that. <laughs> but did you not like that because it was lazy or you didn't like it because it, it was what it did actually, to you as a you person? You know what? It was actually kind of lazy. My oh, okay. one criticism of that show is that third season finale because every other season in a such a way that felt like it was self-contained. Okay, well, that's that interesting because I saw it. The four seasons perfect of that show, though. I saw an analysis of Breaking Bad that I actually really appreciated, basically comparing its five act structure to Freitag's Pyramid and uh, like classical annotation of Shakespearean plays, because the rising action always peaks at the end of Act Three. And so, if you look at Breaking Bad as the character development basically of Jesse, then it does follow Freitag's Pyramid. Okay, (laughs) I don't know. I mean. I need. I have a, it's, it's so long since I've watched the show. I need. To, I would read. I would need to read. Jesse is Hamlet and Walt is Lear. There we go. Um, I don't even know if I have a favorite thing from this week. Uh, I the, like so many things happen. And, and also Walt nothing, Jr. is Puck. There we go. But nothing media wise. There's like nothing really graphed onto. Uh, other than I got. I got to go to Queens and see New York City from a completely different angle. You got a job. I got a job, yes. It took me a lot longer than a week in New York to get a job when um, I first moved here. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I I have to thank all the people that I know for that, for the most part. Uh, I did also have like three other interviews, but I ended up one of them worked better for my schedule. So I did go into an open house for my school and met some of my faculty, and they all think I'm... Of, I'm weird, which made me very happy. So, <laughs> you know who go. was in the movie? The faculty, uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, we got to end it because we just referenced the faculty. <laughs> is that a, is that an unwritten rule? Oh God, I hate that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I just kind of. Hate I'd rather watch the '70s Invasion of the Body uh, Snatcher where the dog has the dude's face. Anyway, can we just watch all Invasions of the Body Snatcher? I'm up for that. I'm up for that at some point. Okay. It sounds like a plan. Chase and I had hypothetically discussed a podcast where we just watch a film series from beginning to end. Like, you know, Rocky, Alien, then Predator, then Alien versus Predator. We could do every version of Invasion I'm, I'm of the keep, Body Snatcher. I'm not going to keep this in because that we might do that. <laughs> uh, no, you should keep it in. Let's end the podcast. All right. So uh, next week, we will be reading Chapter 2, The Land of Shadow. Now... Chase, is there a famous poem about, okay, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness Darkness bind bind them, them. Yeah, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. Oh. So, chapter two, the land of shadow. There we go. (sighs) Katie, you want to wrap us up? Yes, so once again, we'd like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for all of your help with uh, words. 
Thank you for your patronage, literally, and for helping us out. Um, We have reached our merchandise goal, and I promise you, we haven't announced anything publicly yet, just because I am in the final stages of designing everything and getting it uh, created. Um, But information will be out very soon, and I hope you guys are happy, and you'll be the first to know. Our patrons will be. So... So thank you once again to our patrons. Thank you, Ryan Hepler, Brian Osborne, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Jiang Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Am, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, and Michael Laney. <laughs> You know, one of these days, Katie, I really want to say, because I always say, you know, Katie, will you wrap it up for us? I want you to actually wrap those names. So you, you better start practicing. Uh, nobody wants nobody wants to hear me rap. <laughs> I can tell you that. Oh, my. You know, actually, you know what I really want? I want somebody to donate, to become a patron at, like, a very high level. Obviously, I want this. <laughs> but specifically, like, give us $10, but make your name on Patreon, be Gothmog the Cruel. So Katie has to thank <laughs> yes. Gothmog the Cruel yes. at the end of every yes. episode. <laughs> yes. Why have you given someone yes. this idea? Yes. I am 100% behind this. Oh, Lord. Oh, you could do Melkor, the fair. Or you could not. <laughs> Lord of the Werewolves. That's Gothmog, though, not Melkor. Anyway. Thanks for listening, as always, everybody. This has been a particularly sweltering weekend in New York City. So I hope when you're listening, it is in a car or office or subway train with air conditioning or that you are in a fair weather environment taking a lovely stroll with your Pomeranian named Chuck. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. That was Chuck. Have a good one, people. And this is CNN. Okay. Wolf. Uh, it was meant to be James Earl Jones, but okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> James Earl Jones did CNN? He did He did the, and this is CNN. Oh, I didn't 80s, realize. Yeah, okay. and John Williams did that. Dun, 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 dun. I'm, I'm making that up. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 